This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And here he is. He's back like a vertebrae, fresh from his trip in parts unknown. The one and only Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Fridge. Did you really miss me? Oh, it's been, I haven't been able to sleep. I haven't been able to eat. I wake up in the middle of the night pacing and worrying. And where's Elliot? How's he doing? When's he going to come on again and talk to his, uh, his, his work spouse here? So welcome back, Elliot Friedman. How have you been? Uh, I'm good, Jeff. How have you been? Missed you. Oh, uh, I've got a little bit of a tickle in my throat, but I'm playing through it because I'm tough like Chris Tanev. So me and Chris Tanev are kind of the same. Like he blocks shots with his face, and I play with I I do my show with a scratchy throat. So we're kind of the same that way, right, Fridge? Yes, absolutely the same. I mean, <laughs> a teeth man. Like uh, I saw the picture of him with I think it was Eric Francis who put it up. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. He's uh, the thing about it too. And I was, th- I was saying this to Maddie off the top of the show today. It's like we think of Ian Laperriere and that Paul Martin shot from that Philadelphia Flyers New Jersey Devils playoff series so many years ago. I think it was 2010, I believe. Um, yeah. But you know that's the playoffs for Chris Tanev. That was Game 22, where he's getting down and putting his face in front of a shot. If you're Jim Rutherford, Patrick Galvin, Brad Treliving, or whomever else looking to bring in Chris Tanev, and you're seeing himself, you seeing him put his face in front of a slap shot in game 22, I guess on the one hand, you're like, well, that's Chris Tanev, and he's brave. But on the other hand, you're not saying he's, all, he's always one shot away from taking himself out of the lineup. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you, you can't stop the way some people are wired. That's for sure. It was funny, like a guy I know who's like a minor hockey coach, he said he was going to show his players, like, this is how not to block a shot. Uh, don't go into it face first like that. Um, yeah, I mean, that he, a, by yeah. now, like, he's just he's just wired a certain way. And, you know, I, I the thing I think about the most is just thankfully it's not worse, right? Um, but. Yeah. I, I, right now, there, there are, you know how, Jeff, when somebody puts like a certain service or they're, they're looking to say, like, I need this done, and people, like, they make presentations or they come to you and pitch, why should I do your home renovation yeah. or why you should trust me? There's going to be dentists yeah. lining up for Chris Tanev when he retires. <laughs> Please give me the business oh. on why I get to fix your teeth. Well, you know what? Like, if you're a dentist um, and you get the you get Chris Tanev, like, don't charge him at all because that's going to earn. Like, you fix Chris Tanev's teeth, you've earned yourself an international reputation. Like, that is corner office. That is all of a sudden dentist of the year. After that, you have every retiring hockey player calling you because you were the guy that fixed Chris Tanev's teeth. Same as I would imagine that's um, uh, Keith Kachuk. Uh, when his career was done, whoever fixed Keith Kachuk's teeth, uh, I would imagine, earned himself a, or herself a corner office. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure the, the hockey dentist business is a very lucrative <laughs> one. Probably built yes, a few absolutely. summer homes here and there over the years. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so uh, lots to get to since we last uh, chatted. Um, and your latest blog is available now at sportsnet.ca, and a lot of it is about Corey Perry, and a lot of it is about Patrick Kane as well. Um, let's start with Kane and, and see where we sort of end up here. Um, 
there were a number of teams that wanted him, and we had talked on the podcast in here going back to the summer about the Florida Panthers, uh, and they were aggressive. Who else was was in on this one, and, and were there any teams that surprised you? That you know, you mentioned Boston last minute, but anyone, yeah. you know, anyone court Patrick Kane that caught you off guard? Um, you know, I think uh, Boston was one because I just didn't hear of it until late. So anytime, you know, someone either enters late or you find out about them late, um, you, you know, you kind of wonder a bit. But there was a fit there. Uh, there's no question about that. You know, I was one of the things I was doing was I was talking with someone whenever a team was mentioned. It wasn't only about uh, does the team need uh, Patrick Kane or not, or do you think it makes sense? But was there a fit there? And Detroit, obviously there was a fit. But Boston, you could look at their lineup and say, yes, uh, they don't have a lot of cap rooms, so you'd have to figure out how it would all work, but you could see uh, a fit there. Um, I, I was surprised that, you know, I understand why teams take a meeting with people. I mean, the Toronto thing was really interesting because simply because I just don't think that's what Toronto needs. But they had a meeting with him, and they talked to him uh, about the possibility. You know, the one team I didn't hear a lot about, but I'm pretty sure that they spoke to them, uh, well, I would say two, Colorado and Vegas. And, you know, I, what I thought was really interesting was that uh, Kane kind of poo-pooed the idea that travel was a concern for him. Um, you know, one of the things I learned about this whole process, uh, Jeff, was that there was what Kane was looking at and there was what other teams thought. And in sometimes, in some cases, those lined up with each other, but in some cases, right. those didn't. And, you know, Dallas, for one thing, was, I think, a team that really intrigued Kane. But, you know, Dallas just said, we don't have a lot of room cap-wise. We don't know if it makes a lot of sense roster-wise. And we need to work on D. And I think there were some teams that um, have a bit more travel. And while Kane may not have been worried, I think they were a little bit worried. But I would love to know more about his conversations with Colorado and Vegas and, and how far along those went. But I think at the end, it was kind of some combination of of Detroit and, and, uh, and Florida. And those were probably two of the teams that... Um, you know, looked at it and said uh, there was a fit with him. He was interested in them. And it came, like, put it this way. I know some people who know Kane, and when it started to come out, they kind of dropped their guard a bit and spoke, and they said, look, we know Kane. We're not surprised at all it ended up being those guys because Kane had talked about Detroit before. His father, uh, his parents can drive there. It's easy. Um, you mentioned the Toronto Maple Leafs a couple of seconds ago. You went to practice today, tonight, one of the 14 games is the Maple Leafs facing off against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, the Leafs coming off a, a pretty entertaining game that saw a, a double-tap goal disallowed uh, in the shootout. Sorry, Evan Rodriguez. Uh, we're getting back to the shootout here. And listen, uh, Noah Gregor, man, what a, what a, well, a couple of shots in that game. Um, but, you know, being in around the, the Maple Leafs, and you write about them in your blog this week, what did they need? What can you see the Maple Leafs doing, comma, if anything, Elliot? You know, the second pair at the skate this morning, like Luke Fox was watching it a bit closer than I was, and, you know, he pointed out it was it was Lagesson and McCabe on the second pair with all the injuries. And I, w- I was thinking to myself, 
um, you know, that's probably not what Toronto envisioned at the start of the season. Um, and and Lagason, yeah. to his credit, has actually played really well. Um, you know, I, I think this. I I really, you know, you look at their record, it looks okay. Like, you look at the record and you say, I don't mind that. Um, I think there's a concern about the number of games that have actually been won in regulation. And that is something that I look at yeah. because overtime and shootout in the regular season has got nothing to do with overtime and shoot uh, overtime in the playoffs. So I don't like, I think if you're winning a lot of games like that, I don't necessarily think it's a good sign for what's coming. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll say this. I think there are some questions being asked inside about what makes sense for us right now. Like, what do we really think makes sense for us? And to me, I don't believe I'm beginning to wonder if they're thinking like pure rentals for a high price, like the Ryan O'Reilly's of the world uh, that they did last year. I don't know if they think, Jeff, that that's a good idea. So you think more along the lines of Stan Pat or we're only going to trade for players with term? Well, I, I think that I think it's like I don't think they've made that decision one way or the other, but I think they're thinking about it. Um, if you take a look at um, if you take a look, I mean, a depth player, uh, a depth D or something like that for a later pick or a, a, like a smaller prospect. I don't have any issue with that. And the fact is, like, depending on how long Giordano's out here, they might have to do it anyway. Um, so, right. like, that that I could see. But, like, for example, if someone's saying to you, okay, um, we've got a, a, a UFA defenseman and we're asking for, like, a first-round pick or one of your top prospects, I, I just don't think you're doing that. Um, yeah. I, I Now... I'll say this, like if you're talking about, say, a Tanev or, or a Zadorov or somebody else, and you either get permission to talk to them or think you, or nudge, nudge, wink, wink, think you can sign them, then I think we're talking about something yeah. else entirely. But I just don't think a top rental for a high price, I'm, I'm not convinced they're going to believe that it makes sense for them. Okay, uh, a couple of minutes here on, on Corey Perry. We're already heavy on time, but a couple of minutes on Corey Perry. We'll do more on the podcast uh, later on this afternoon for release tomorrow morning. Um, what's next for Corey Perry? I mean, that camp has 60 days um, to you know figure out whether they want to do something about this. Um, but you know, I think we're wondering if that's it for Corey Perry, if he plays again. Are there teams that would bring him into the mix at some point this year, if he's going to continue his NHL career, do we have any idea what's next with Corey Perry? So, um, I, th- I think at some point in time, we will hear something from him. Um, so, I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know the timeline of it, but um, I, I think it's possible. Um I also, you know, the biggest challenge right now, Jeff, is that nobody knows exactly what happened. Um, You know, like, I think in collecting bits and pieces of information, I think I have an idea of what's not true, but I don't think I have an idea of what exactly is true. And, you know, you have to be careful with stuff like that. 
Um, you know, I, I, I think there's, you know, I don't know if everybody will, will agree with me, but I think when it comes to, um, you know, about the details and, and whether or not they get out, I think there's a difference between a criminal matter, which this it doesn't appear to be, uh, but, and a workplace matter, which is what Kyle Davidson called it. Um, because then it, there's, you know, there's privacy, there's, uh, for especially for other people who were affected. But I, I do believe, Jeff, that there are a lot of teams, players, agents. Like, it's almost exactly like the aftermath of the Pinto case. Like, people are calling around. They're like, with Pinto's situation, like, you know, there's a lot of players in the NHL who bet on things. And they know they're not supposed to bet on hockey. And they're like, what did Pinto do? And they're calling around and they're asking the Players Association, they're asking their agents, like, what did he do so I don't violate the same rule? And I think that, you know, and the one thing I will say is after the Pinto uh, suspension happened, the Players Association was, was really out there saying, we're not telling you exactly what Pinto did, but don't do this, 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 and this. You know, we reported on all those right. things that they kind of warned the players about. Um, this case, as far as I can tell, that has not happened yet. And so I think what everybody is sitting here is saying, we, we, uh, we, we got to find out so nobody violates this kind of behavior. Now, I want to stress that I'm saying, I'm hearing this from other people. There seems to be a sense that because it's Chicago and they can afford to have less tolerance to anything that happens. Like, as I reported this last night, Kyle Davidson, when he met with the players, he told them we cannot afford any bad behavior. It's just we have to have zero tolerance on this. And, like, there definitely seems to be a sense that, you know, maybe – if this had happened, whatever happened, happened somewhere else, it might not be as big an issue, but I don't know that. And people are trying to find out if that's actually true. Okay. Uh, we'll do more on this on the podcast. Uh, a couple of more things before uh, we flat out run out of time. Actually, probably only time for one more. Um, since we last joined each other, uh, the Minnesota Wild fired and hired a coach. Uh, Dean Evason out, uh, John Hines in, uh, one game, one victory. Um, What does that mean? Dead cat bounce, legitimate turnaround, we still don't know. But it was clear also that this was something Bill Guerin didn't want to do. Uh, And as we've talked before, Bill Guerin is not big on making excuses, although there are many uh, for Mm -hmm. why the Minnesota Wild found themselves in this situation. Um, I don't want to ask if it caught you off guard because I think we all sort of wondered about what move could Garen make here. More like, okay, so what is the expectation now of the Minnesota Wild? I mean, I think we all know that Dean Everson's going to get back in the NHL at some point. And if you read Russo's latest piece at The Athletic, you know he's eager to do that yesterday. Um, But, you know, I don't know. I got to tell you, uh, business class travel all over the world sounds pretty good to me, I have to say. (laughs) <laughs> That's an excellent point. Um, your, your thoughts on Mini now? You know, I, I, I think this. There were there were a lot of things that went wrong in Minnesota this year. Um, you know, it, it, it's, I really appreciated the person who pointed this out to me. 
But if you look at the underlying numbers of their goaltending, and Edmonton's the same way, when you look at their goal differential and you use some of the the behind-the-scenes analytics on what their goal differential actually should be, expected goal differential, like Minnesota and Edmonton are the two worst teams in the league compared to where they are. Like Edmonton is like 24 goals worse than they should be, and Minnesota's 20. And... Um, those are the two worst marks in the league. Now, some of that is goaltending. Um, you know, Minnesota shorthanded has really struggled, but some of that is also structure oh, yeah. in the way you play. And so I think, you know, first of all, they got to get some saves, number one. And number two, I, I thought the best omen they had is that Boldy scored the other night. Like, because they're shy, yeah. two or three That's or big. four players, you know, you can't afford a lot of slumps. And there were a lot of guys this year slumping. And, you know, like, to be honest, I, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure what they'll do is they'll say to Hines, like, this is what was happening behind the scenes, and this is what we've got to change. Maybe you, sometimes you just have to find a way to lighten the attitude or lighten the mood. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is, Jeff, some of these guys just got to get going. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, so more on this on the uh, on the upcoming 32 Thoughts podcast, which we will drop tomorrow morning. All right, so we're up against it, Fridge. Enjoy, uh, enjoy your 30 minutes without me because uh, bottom of the hour we're talking again with the podcast. Thanks, pal. We'll talk in 30. All right, Jeff. Take care, bud. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. And uh, that's it for me. And that's it for the show this week. Uh, for me, uh, in my stead, Matt Marchese tomorrow. I'm off to a kids' hockey tournament once again. Uh, so thanks to Matt Marchese, senior producer. Thanks to producer David Sis, board op Lance Kennedy, and TV director James Wilson. Everyone who came on the show today as well, a big thank you to the returning Elliot Friedman. Uh, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. As you know, Greg is normally Wednesdays, uh, but the big shot had something to do yesterday, so big time. Dustin pushed it to today. Uh, Corey Lavalette caught us up on the Carolina Hurricanes. And, man, we got 14 games on the go around the NHL this evening after only three yesterday. So enjoy them. Uh, I'll rejoin you. I'll rejoin with you on Monday. Matt Marchese in tomorrow for the full two hours across the Sportsnet Radio Network 360. And thanks to everybody, by the way, for mentioning the Spotify wraps. We've had to widen the door frames in the house here to fit my head. Thanks for the ego boost, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks for downloading as well. I'll be back Monday. Marchese tomorrow.